a world of fakery is the world we live in these days. And so many have gotten used to fake, fake, and we've been numbed, and so many are accepting it and being passive uh, about it, meaning doing nothing about it. And it is a dangerous thing because for a while we can uh, feel good, we can feel okay, everything's just fine. Uh, it's not the truth, but everything's okay right now as long as I get my little paycheck, I get my little coffee, I get my little whatever, I'm fine, thank you very much, let the world just go. Uh, but in the end, uh, falsehood, fakery, uh, smashes our face. I think of, uh, I've said this before, this illustration, this guy says, you know, I, I, I wanna be free. I wanna be free and I can, I'm, I know I can fly. And he jumps off a 10-story building. And while he's going down, he feels great. Man, see, I'm a bird. And then smash, reality hits. And so it is with fakery. And when we live in a world of fakery, sooner or later, reality hits. And when we become in touch with reality, we can actually get angry. And that anger can be good. It can actually be good because it wakes us up to the damage of falsehood. In Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, one of the places where we are actually commanded to be angry. <laughs> commanded, it's an imperative, I looked it up. <laughs> um, Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. Be angry, it's a command. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Meaning, if we hold on to the anger, just hold on, hold on, hold on to it, it leaves the door open for demons to come in. Right? For Satan's to come in. But the commandment stands. Be angry. Now, what is the context by which one can legitimately be angry. Well, I read you verse 26. Look at the previous verse, verse 25. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. When there has been falsehood, 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 the righteous person actually gets angry. He literally hates falsehood. In Proverbs, Proverbs 13, Proverbs 13, I remember uh, living a long time in a lie, lies, plural, and then reality hit me. And for almost 10 years, I was living in falsehood. And then I realized, 10 years flushed down the toilet because of falsehood. I got a good taste of hating falsehood. Proverbs 13, verse five. Proverbs 13, verse five. 
A righteous man hates falsehood. But a wicked man acts disgustingly and shamefully. Disgustingly and shamefully, but they don't care. Because falsehood has become a way of living. And it gets more and more and more disgusting when there is falsehood. Now, where are you and me as far as accepting this fakery in life? Because everything's fake, right? I mean, commercials, politics, and so many Christians live in a fake life. They might have a bunch of knowledge, but nah. And sometimes our young people see right through it. They may not be able to articulate it, but they can see right through it. Um, so we have to ask ourselves, where, where are we? Um, because here's how it can, it can show up. When we start living the same way as our culture and everything, we might have all the right words of Christianity, but the truth shows up. We're really living according to the culture and not biblical truth. Now, there's always going to be some things that the culture affects us and make it in a good way, in a very good way. But so, so, so much of the time goes against biblical revelation. Come out of it, my people, book of Revelation, right? And so again, we have to go to ourselves and say, where am I? Um, do, do people see a genuine Christianity or just a superficial, okay person, but no real effects, no real uh, penetration into people's hearts to make a difference, a good difference? Um, and here's how it shows up too. Are we encouraged by the gospel? I mean, really, really moved in life by the gospel? Here's another question. Are we moved when somebody else comes to Christ and see, wow. Are we moved when somebody makes a real good decision to follow God? Or are we like, bah, that's great. No. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And to change people, the world has studied, studied, studied. There's been psychologists' brains like unbelievable coming up with incredible insight into the human psychic and the human soul. And they offer all kinds of stuff, but without the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's, to me, every time I read something that's like, wow, that's really good. How do they factor in the cross? And when they do not, I know something is missing. It is still human ingenuity, human inventions, human psychology, human rationalization, because somehow the issue of sin and Accountability before God has to be brought up. You see? But we're used to, you know, what we've been enculturated. 
And so all these are questions that uh, we need to ask if we're going to live in reality and make a difference and be moved by God's work. Be moved by God's salvation work. Because that's what really matters. And that's what Paul was moved by. But again, we're, we're, it's like we're a big train, loaded train going down the tracks. And to try and stop that train, oh my goodness. You know, and that's our cultures moving us, moving us. And to stop that inertia, that, that heavy movement. Ooh. And so that's why we need to go back, go back to the scriptures to see what God has revealed. What God has revealed. Because we can rationalize, we can come up with all kinds of goodies. Um, and we're going through the uh, Thessalonians, the letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. You want to be turning there. First Thessalonians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be covering a few more verses, actually verse 5 through 10. Let me read it. If you remember, the Apostle Paul... Uh, if, uh, the context or the historical background is that the Apostle Paul had been thrown out of Philippi, the city before he went to Thessalonica, and then he was thrown out of uh, Thessalonica, and then he went to the next city, which was Berea, and there he was thrown out again, and then he went to Athens, and in Athens, he preached the gospel, but when he talked about resurrection, all the Athenians were like, oh, resurrection, and he left, and now he was in uh, Corinth, and so in Corinth... He, at one point, he wrote to the Corinthians, uh, when I was with you, uh, I was in, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians, that's how I came to you. I, I'd been thrown out of three cities and rejected basically in Athens. And so then he gets the report from Timothy of how the Thessalonians were doing. And it was such an awesome, awesome report that now Paul was like, yes, yes, let me show you why I am encouraged. And so he was telling the Thessalonians, and by the way, that's what, again, you and I need to be moved by, right? God's salvation work. Because otherwise, we're going to be moved by all kinds of stuff that in the end leaves us empty and lost and frustrated. So he's been telling the Thessalonians, man, this is God's work. And he continues with that in verse 5. In verse 4, he says, knowing, brethren, beloved of God, his choice of you. Well, how do you know he chose you? And now he continues in verse 5. Here's how we know. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place where faith towards God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God 
from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So here, basically, we have God's desired response to his salvation work. This is the response that God wants when people hear the salvation work that he's done through Jesus Christ. And what we find is that that response, desired response, is powerful and it is contagious. It is contagious. Right? What do we find here? Well, uh, the Apostle Paul, well, Jesus really, beginning with Jesus, right? Jesus converted Paul. Jesus preached the gospel and to, to Paul, so to speak. And then Paul to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians to the rest of the Macedonian Achaia, and then from Achaia even four. It was contagious, right? And is the power of God unto salvation. And we must be moved by it, moved by it. Or else, in some way or another, we live by fakery, by fakery. And to move into the truth can be very intensifying. Something in our soul, deep within, can be moved. As we were thinking, as we were singing, this came to my mind. It's, it's not in my notes, so this is a freebie. <laughs> Uh, as I was listening, like, when uh, Nate was saying about, you know, the scroll, who's worthy to break the scroll, why doesn't that move us? What's the deal about breaking scroll, uh, you know, scrolls? Is, uh, is anyone worthy to judge? What does that mean? Well, if somebody has been abused in your family, terribly abused, or all the abuse that's happening here along the border. Young girls being raped, literally killed. Is anyone, can anyone judge that? Or is everybody gonna get away with it? You know, if we really think about it, don't you wish that you could just wring the neck of someone that abused a little girl? Oh! But what? Come back in five years. But Jesus is coming. And no one is going to get away with it. No one. Because he is worthy now and into eternity to judge the living and the dead. You see, when we come in contact with the unrighteousness and the ugliness and evil, we can long for someone, can anybody be worthy and powerful enough to do this? And when there's no one around that can do it, oh, hopelessness. People can begin to take things into their own hands. That's why is he worthy is he worthy? Now and for eternity, he's worthy. But we must face the reality of the ugly evils around us. Otherwise, it'll just be a sentimental, is he worthy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And have no understanding what in the world that means. And that's why, again, we need to go back 
to the scriptures so that we understand what God has revealed. Otherwise, we just stay with our own little puny little thinking, right? So in verse 5, Paul continues to show, this is why I'm encouraged, because of God's work in you. And then that God's work is going to be uh, move the Thessalonians so that it showed that they became imitators of both Paul and the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll unpack that a little bit. And then they became, the Thessalonians became examples to a bunch of other people. And then we're gonna say, examples of what? And what's the big difference in the world? So what they became imitators? What difference did it make? Because it's very, very important for our Christian lives. So first of all, in verse 5, he continues to show the Thessalonians why he, the, the Paul was so moved and encouraged. For, he says, basically, you know, how do we know that you're chosen? Verse 4. Well, here's how we know. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, which would have been enough. <laughs> come in the word of God. That's my goodness, this is God's revelation. But Paul is saying, it just didn't come in word only, uh, but also in, in power, and the word and there, A-N-D, I think it's a, a, an intensification. Uh, it's not just any power, it's actually Holy Spirit power. That's what he's saying. So when, when we came in, uh, when he came in, it's like, man, God was with us, and it was the power of the Holy Spirit as we preach the word. That's how we know, Thessalonians, that you're chosen of God because, man, God's work was behind the whole thing. God's revelation, God's Holy Spirit. And as a result, as a result of that, we were absolutely, totally, completely convinced. We had a, a conviction about us. There was no turning back. Because we knew this was of God. And that's what he's saying there. He was a Holy Spirit power and with full conviction. You know, when somebody talks to you and they're like, well, maybe mm, this, that. But man, when they fully convinced, no, this is the way it is. Boom, boom, boom. Whether it's a project, whether it's uh, some lesson in school or problem. That you, and they come and no, no, they're fully convinced. This is it. They're like, oh, man, yeah. And that's what Paul is saying. I, I was, <laughs> there was absolutely no, totally, completely con conviction that this was the truth. And that's how we know. This, is, this was of God. This was of God. And then uh, how, how does it show that we were fully convinced? You know how it showed up? By the way the apostle and the company were living. That's the proof. Because that's what he, the way he ends, verse 5. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you. <laughs> we weren't abusive. We weren't manipulative. We weren't trying to just win favor, fearing men. No, man. We were giving our all to you. It says, for your sake. It wasn't for us. That's how you can tell. That's how you can tell. And isn't that, I mean, isn't that so basic? In, in, in a marriage, in parenting, when in a coach, 
when, when a coach really, really wants to be there for his players, he's not like, oh, you're rejecting me. Oh, you're not, be upset. Be quiet. Here's the, what you need, man. This is for you. Right? Husbands and wives are like, no, 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 honey. No, no. Uh, you can hate me, but here's the deal. Right? Children are like, oh, my children are going to hate me. My children are going to be destroyed forever. Be quiet. Here's the truth. Here's discipline. Because it is for their good. You see? It, it, it's just so basic. It's so basic. That's why some politicians, people can see right through. It's like, nah, that's for you. Not really for the people. And there's some others who's like, yeah, man, he really cares for the people. And we can see right through it. And so Paul is saying, you, wanna, you want proof that we were there for you and not for us? Look at what kind of people we were. What kind of men were we among you? Were, you, were we taking money from you? Were we trying to trick you? No, you know exactly what we were. Right? And it was for your benefit. For your benefit. And Thessalonians, you know that's the truth. You see? All of that to say, Paul, it was all God's work. Remember Paul? What was he doing beforehand? He was persecuting the Christians. You know, he was giving his amen when Stephen was stoned to death. And he was left there trying to get Christians to be put in prison. But he was changed. And it was the genuine article. And you know what? The world is dying for genuine, the genuine article. The world is dying to see the genuine article. The world may not be able to articulate exactly what it needs and wants, but you and I know they're after the truth, the, the real thing. You're a Christian, really show me. Not in words only, but in your life. Is there an impact that you're making, not just being a person that's you know, kind of milk and toast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't cuss. Big deal. Is there a passion? Is there life in there or not? They want the genuine thing. That's why sometimes, you know, movie stars, even though they're immoral and cussing and... But there's the real thing. Yeah, it's all dark and stuff and ugly, but here's the real thing. Oh, that feels good. Come on, man, give me the truth. As Christians, we're supposed to be showing a real godly life that makes a difference in people, whether they hate us or they love us, but they, we make a difference <laughs> because it's the real thing. Look at the life of Jesus. Look at the life of Paul. I mean, <laughs> they made a difference. And so the world is dying for uh, genuineness, genuineness, right? So now Paul says, you guys, you're really, really receptive you responded appropriately to God's salvation work. The message that we were giving to you, you all responded wonderfully. In fact, you became imitators. That's what he says now in verse 6, right? You also became imitators of us and the Lord. Exactly imitating what? That comes all the way in verse 6. I mean, verse 8. 
That, that's where, okay, imitation of what? Verse 8, I'll get there in a minute. But in verse 8, you became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. That sounds like a crazy verse. I mean, can you imagine? It's, look, I'm not making it up. Having received it in much tribulation, but happy about it. What? <laughs> look, I'm not making it up. See what it says there? In much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. How in the world can you explain that? The only way to explain that is that it's the divine work of God. Because otherwise, it just sounds crazy. To be able to represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. To be able to see the hand of God changing me, transforming me at the deepest level of my being into more Christ-likeness. Ooh. I remember seeing some of God's work in my own life and changing me. And I was just so, so appreciative because for a whole decade, pretty much, I had lived in falsehood, rationalizing. And yet God was changing me to be able to look at the truth honestly and to be able to trust God in a brand new level. And I was just like, wow, God, wow. I'm not the person I used to be. And I remember, literally, you're going to think I'm crazy. But literally, I was thinking, man, God, if this is what it takes to, to change me, bring it on. You know, drag me through the coals again if you need to. If you're going to change me like this, it takes suffering, bring it on. Okay, give him some Prozac. <laughs> give him some pills. He's gone crazy. No, no. But look, it's right there. In much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That was the effects on the, Holy, on, on the Thessalonians. So that, what was the result? What, what happened? So that you became an example. You imitated me and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing so, you became an example to others, to, to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's, uh, they were in Turkey, present day Turkey. And they went across uh, um, into Europe, present day Europe, which was Macedonia and Achaia. And there was this whole region. You became an example to that whole region. That's how powerful it was, this change. It was a genuine article. Um, and now here, here's, how, here's what they were imitating. Here's what they were imitating. Uh, in verse 6, when he said, you became imitators. Imitators like how, what? Verse 8. For the word of the Lord sounded forth. It was like a, like a massive bullhorn through all the region. <laughs> That's what he's saying. The word of the Lord sounded forth from you. And now he expands it, not, not only Macedonia and Achaia, but also to every place where faith towards God has gone forth. So we have no need to tell you anything about that. Now, exactly what was that? That, you know, the, it went forth. Well, what was Paul doing in Thessalonica? 
He was sharing the gospel. He was sharing the revelation of God. He was sharing the word of God. And he was sharing the word of God under great tribulation. Is that not how the Lord Jesus delivered the message as well? So much so that he was crucified. But the word of God came, went forth, went forth, went forth. And that's what they were imitating. That's what they were imitating. It doesn't matter the culture. It doesn't matter whether I'm going to be persecuted or not. It doesn't matter whether I'm going to be liked or not. With as much love as possible and compassion, I'm going to be delivering the word of God. And that's imitating the Apostle Paul and imitating Jesus. The word goes forth. It sounds out. It's not about me. It's not about me. Uh, John, the Baptist, John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. And that should be all of our lives. The more time goes by and the more you learn about Christianity, the smaller you're to get. Smaller, smaller, smaller. And Jesus should be massive in your life. Massive. And that's the process. Doesn't happen overnight. Right? Why? Well, quite simply, our selfishness, our self protection, our focus on me, 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 me. And we're so used to that. And our culture, it's about you. It's about you. You deserve it. You, 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 you. Right? And to go against that culture, híjole, man, you need some dynamite. You need some Holy Spirit dynamite. And that's what the Apostle Paul was saying. The word came not only in the word, but in the Holy Spirit power. And that's what you and I need, right? So they were imitating the sounding forth of the gospel. Not just the gospel, it's the word of God. That's, it keeps repeating it, right? The word of God. And obviously that includes the gospel. Uh, but it keeps sounding forth. Right? Um, so he's saying, you know, we really don't have anything uh, to say anything. Why is it that I, we don't need to say anything? Why? Because the next verse. Look at the next verse. Verse 9. For they themselves, those people in all those areas, they themselves are reporting about you. They themselves are reporting what you have communicated to them what you have done. Their testimony from all over is coming in. Evidently, somebody had reported to Paul, like, man, Paul, your disciples are like, they're awesome, man. Really? And they described. And, and so Paul said, we don't have any need because they themselves are reporting to us. What are they reporting? What are they reporting? Look very carefully, verse 9. For them to report to us what kind of reception we had with you. In other words, when we came, we were preaching the gospel, and you all were like sponges. You were receiving us with great, like, yes, this is good. You received, you received it like that, and not just that. Uh, and, and how, look at this, um, and how you turn to God from idols. Wow, you want to talk about the proper effects, the proper response 
You want to show proof that the word of God has really penetrated? Hats its desires effect. Look, people, when people turn to God from idols. Idols, what are idols? Anything that replaces God. It can be a person, it can be a thing, it can, whatever. It can be a way of thinking that replaces God. Idol. It can be your own heart. You know, well, it's up to me. It's what I think. Oh, you must be God. And by the way, this is our culture these days. We're God, not God. We are. We determine who and what are you. No. You determine yourself. You're not a woman. You're not a man. What do you want to be? Meeha. Okay, meeha. That's what you are. Whatever. That sounded funny, didn't it? <laughs> I want to laugh because I did. <laughs> but really, that's where we are. God no longer determines it's ourselves. My goodness. Uh, no. Uh, you became imitators of me and you turned to God from idols. And it wasn't, look at, it wasn't just that they took bad stuff out of their souls. They turned to God from idols. Right? They took the garbage out. They turned to God. But that wasn't all. Look at the, sec the last part of the verse. To serve the living and true God. It's not just about, I'm going to get all the black, bad, bad stuff out of me. Right? No, no, no. You better put some good stuff in there. You better move towards serving the living and true God. Living? Why does he have to include that? Because many times we, we think of God as this, um, this impersonal, distant, uh, uninvolved force uh, that's out there. And um, we can manipulate that force. If I do just the right things, I can manipulate it and use that force for me. And by the way, uh, demons like that, right? If I give you this, Satan, you'll give me this. Well, sure. Uh, of course, buddy, here. I'll give you double. I'll give you a double. As long as I can get you to turn away from God, I'll give you anything. And we think that we can outmaneuver God. No, man, we turn to serve the living. He is alive and moving. He has a mind. He decides. He feels. He judges. He relates. He is alive. And we turn to serve the living and really only true God. There is none other there is none other. He's the only true God. Huh. Are we? How did that show up? When we're so concerned about self, 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 self. There it is. There it is. You can say, I, I, I'm leaving for self. Right? Um, and then he says, you all... Um, you all turn from, the, from 
to God from idols to serve the living God. And, and, verse 10, right? And to wait. Here, here's uh, 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 helped on how to define wait upon the Lord, right? Because, well, wait upon the Lord. Okay, Lord, I'm going to sit here until you do something. No, that's not the meaning. No. He had just said, turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. To serve the living and true God means we're going to be active, active, active as we wait for God, for Jesus to return. We're going to be active serving God, living a godly life, right? To wait for his son from heaven, meaning he is coming back, whom he raised from the dead, he conquered death. Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. So, <laughs> right there, three sermons. <laughs> Look at that. Look, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. The Son of God from heaven, he's returning back. Right? Um, who was raised from the dead. Wow. Who rescues us from the wrath to come. In a way, that was the content of what Paul had communicated with the Thessalonians, right? And really, we can reasonably say, what did Paul communicate? Death, life, resurrection, return of Christ. That's what Paul was communicating to the Thessalonians, right? Kind of like an outline there of what he was talking about. How often do I talk about the resurrection? How often do you talk about the resurrection? How often do you talk about the coming, second coming of Jesus? Uh, how much, how many times do I talk about the Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come? How many times do you talk about it? Hmm, well, there's a little changes we need to make, no? What do we focus on? Because there's always, 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 always stuff coming at us. Oh, I gotta know that. Oh, I gotta know that. Oh, I gotta study that. Oh, I gotta know that. What's the latest restaurant? What's the latest movie? What's the latest music? What's the latest dance? What's the latest this? And, oh, Jesus. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, and I'm not talking just to you. I'm talking to myself. Because I need the same, the same message. Yeah. Um, they really were applying the word of God. Uh, it wasn't just reception, a biblical revelation, because we can all receive biblical revelation and have all kinds of Bible knowledge. But are we applying it? Is it evident to other people that there is a passion and a love for Christ and that that's what occupies our mind, right? Does it show up? Um, because they turn, meaning the word there really is they repented. They turned to God from idols. They repented. They were thinking and living for idols. And they repented and were living, serving God. A major change, a major 
transition from one to the other. And like I said, it's not a flip of a switch. It's a process. I wish it was a flip of a switch. I'd be a millionaire because I could charge lots of money. <laughs> Got the keys of heaven and hell. Really, the gospel is that. Man, if when people heard the gospel and they believed, switch! They're like, Jesus like, whoa, man, I'll charge you $100,000 for that. <laughs> no. It takes blood, sweat, and tears to help people change and apply the word of God. It's hard work. It's not an overnight thing. But praise be to God that we have everything we need for life and godliness. Everything we need. Right? I mean, right here. I mean, God the Father is involved. God the Son is involved. The Holy Spirit is involved. We have the Word of God. I mean, <laughs> we have everything we need to make changes. So, you know, what's the first application? As I said, uh, people, verse 9 and 10, the, 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 the Thessalonians were changed. Totally transformed. Uh, moved towards God from idols to serve the living God. Uh, and then, as I said, people are starving for a real genuine change, a real difference in the life, not just talk. Uh, and as I said, they, they may not be able to articulate the fundamental needs in their soul. They may not be able to articulate that. But we know they're made in the image of God and they're fallen and they're longing for the real thing. Right? So uh, true Christianity is about being fundamentally changed from the fallenness into Christ-likeness. Right? And when we see that in believers, that's what makes a big difference. A big difference. Someone has said, there's only two fundamental things that have changed mankind. I mean, change them deep inside, not just behavioral modification, do some psychodynamics and, you know, give them some counsel, and here they are now behaving differently. No, 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 no. We're talking about deep persona change in their very character change. There's only been two things. Number one, the entrance of sin. When sin entered the human race, mm, Fundamental deep changes. And if the first is the entrance of sin, the next one is the forgiveness of sins. Why did Jesus come? To pay for our sins. It wasn't just to make us more comfortable. It wasn't just to help us behave. It was to pay for our sins. So if you and I are going to change, guess what? We need to be able to identify the sins that need to be forgiven. And if you just say, well, we're all sinners. Not good enough. That's too general. No, 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 no. How are you and I specifically sinning against God and one another? How is it that we're not loving God and loving one another? When we get down to the specifics, now we're able to repent. And then there's going to be a real fundamental change in character, not just outward behavior. So, to say, 
What do we need? We need to be able to apply the word of God. Because when we start applying the word of God, you know what happens? Our sins surface. That's what happens. When we begin to say, you know what? I'm going to follow God. I know I haven't been respecting my husband. I haven't been loving my wife. I haven't been there for my children. I haven't, Lord, you know, no, no, no. You need to see it for what it is. And when we see it and we repent of that, that's when real change happens. Uh, James chapter one. James chapter one for application right after Hebrews. Uh, James chapter one. Um, mm, Let's do uh, verse 22. James chapter one, verse 22. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. You know what that means? (laughs) And we're all good at it. We are geniuses at doing this. We rationalize and we end up deceiving ourselves. We begin to think, I'm doing what is right. I'm doing what is necessary. I know I'm not obeying God, but I'm doing what's necessary. I know. (laughs) We're incredibly good at rationalizing. We're geniuses. But we we delude ourselves. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man. And I looked it up. It's males. He's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. (laughs) I looked at this like, come on, Lord. But there it is. Verse 24. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what kind of person he was. It's a metaphor, right? But it's true. We males, we look and like, well, got no hair anyway. And we forget it. We, we forget what kind of people we are. Our nose is too big or our lips are this. Who cares? Now, the women are not that way, right? Where's the mirror? Over and over and over. But we men, you, you just, yeah. But he's using it as a metaphor that that's what happens when we do not apply the word of God. We began to rationalize and think we're okay. But where we consistently seek to obey, to really obey the word of God, like, man, it shows up. I failed there, man. Man, I, 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 Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And praise God for forgiveness, no? Praise God for forgiveness and mercy. You see? But that's when there's going to be real profound change in us. When we're honest. And we continue to seek to to apply, to live by the word of God. Verse 25. But one who has, who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having forgotten, uh, not having become forgetful uh, here, but an affected doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. There's going to be a real change, an effective Christian life. Not necessarily a, uh, everything's going to be wonderful, blessed all the time. No, 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 An effective Christian life. Life, uh, problems are going to continue. Difficulties are going to continue. But there's going to be a profound effect on others of showing 
the love of God and the character of God. Um, so bottom line is apply the word. I should have said that and gone on to the next application, right? <laughs> Just apply the word. <laughs> Here's the second application. Because we do not know Jesus very well, and that's why we sometimes we don't live for him, well, application, study, and know about Jesus. Study and know about Jesus. What about him? Well, right there in verse uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, he's coming back. He, he, he conquered death. You know, you know anybody who conquered death? I don't. Jesus. Jesus. And if he conquered death, maybe I ought to study him a little bit. <laughs> right? And, and he's the one that's going to deliver us from the wrath to come. I think it'd be a good idea for you and I to study about Jesus. Who is this person? He is so powerful, so awesome, and he's coming back. It wasn't just that he lived in, you know, Israel 2,000 years ago, and then he disappeared. I don't know. He is God, and he's coming back. I think it'd be a good idea for us to study about him, right? So that's the second application. You know, get, uh, I mentioned this the last time. You know, Mark... Matthew, Luke, John, study about Jesus. It's amazing the food will come into your mind and your soul when you know more about Jesus, right? And that he's coming back. We're going to say a lot more in the rest of Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians about he's coming back. But study about him. Um, Here's, here's the last application, which I, which I mentioned the last time, the last sermon, which is like, pff, let me do it again, because it's just applicable. <laughs> verse 3. I mean, uh, verses 6 through 10, read really this whole passage. We need to seek to be in touch with God's great salvation work. We need to be in touch with that. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, uh, for you to say, you know, what is God doing with my son? What is God doing with my sister? What is God doing with my spouse? What is God doing with my neighbor? What is God doing with my coworker? Is God involved? Yeah, absolutely. God is not willing that any should perish, but they all come to the knowledge of salvation, no? So to say, okay, God, what are you doing? And then when we do see somebody changing, that they really accepted Jesus, it's like, yes, yes. But do we get excited about that? Why not? Maybe that's the question with that. Lord, Lord, my values are not exactly what they need to be. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. And as I said the last time, praise be to God that he takes us exactly where we are. We, <laughs> we don't have to be super Christian. No. Wherever you are, no matter your age, if you're five, six years old, if you're 90 years old, God is interested in helping you change so you become a, a more Christ-like and effective in your Christian walk. Go to him. Don't be afraid of him. He is good. He has good intentions for you and me. We humans, we can mess each other up. Yeah. But he is perfect. He has good intentions for you and me. So to him, to go to him and say, Lord, 
Help me be in touch with what you're doing. Uh, and there's all kinds of ways to, to, to go there, right? Uh, a simple question, what touches my soul? What gets my heart pitter-patter, pitter-patter, pitter-patter? Maybe that's where my passion is, it's not God. Maybe it is God. Maybe when I sing to God, it's like, oh, God, man, praise be to God. How can I add that? Right? When I share the gospel or somebody hears the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again from the dead and believing in him, that's how we go to heaven. That's how we get saved. By the way, have you? For those of you that are watching live streaming, have you trusted Jesus as your savior? Because that's the ultimate question, right? If you never have today, right now is the day of salvation. The word of God says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from the judgment of God. Saved from the judgment of God. If you never have, I pray that this morning will be the greatest morning for you. And if you're watching and you want to communicate with us, send us a note or whatever. You have any questions, please let us know. But once again, for us Christians, God's desired response is here demonstrated. His response to his salvation work, it is powerful and is contagious. The Apostle Paul, he was powerful with the Thessalonians and it was contagious from Jesus to Paul, from Paul to the Thessalonians, from the Thessalonians to the Macedonian, Achaia and beyond. Powerful, contagious. Will you be a part of it? Will you commit, say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And you're doing it through the church. Plug in, man. Plug in. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us so, Lord. You've given us everything we need. Especially, especially forgiveness, Lord. Wow. We will forever be gracious and sing. Blessed is the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. You made us a kingdom of priests. Thank you, Father. We love you because you first loved us. And we come to you in that wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.